thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 2 Samuel. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. I want to be used by the Lord. Am I doing those things that put me in a place to be able to be used by the Lord? Am I making decisions? Am I I following God's course and track on doing things that are going to be pleasing to him? Because the battle is constant. It never ends. We never really arrive in that place where, ultimately, I guess we go, we leave this body, leave this fleshly tent, and we go be with the Lord. Glory, glory. That battle's over. And that's awesome. That is the time when that battle's done. Between now and then, it's going to be an ongoing struggle. You know, so it's better to learn how to deal with it. I love the way um, the Bible tells us to deal with it. Let's turn to John, John's account real quick. John chapter uh, 6. Right, the latter part of chapter 6 of John's account. John 6, 63. Simple little thing tucked away in here that Jesus said that's kind of ties right, right in there for us. It is the Spirit, Jesus said, who gives life. I love this. It is the Spirit who gives life. But this next little portion says, the flesh profits nothing. The words Jesus says that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Now, John also said the word, Jesus Christ, being directly connected as the living word, word of God, right? Jesus leaves eternity, comes to this earth, and he is the living word. John declares, the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, you know? So Jesus himself, the living word of God, comes to earth and lives in a body like yours and mine, but he is the living word, the word of God, that, that, that word that gives you, that word that gives me instruction, that tells me how to live, which way to go, how to follow, what to do. You know, everything that we need is summed up in the person of Jesus Christ. He gives us all that we need. But the Spirit gives life. The Spirit is what gives life to us. Jesus, you know, the living word speaks the word, and the words that he speak are spirit, and they are life. But what is tucked in the middle of this? The flesh profits nothing. I I really, this is is an interesting statement. And if you walk away probably even with absolutely nothing else, but you lock in on this one thought for just a moment with me and grab this, I think you will find this is a full meal in and of itself to dine on, to contemplate, to regurgitate and think on from time to time throughout the rest of the week. Because my belief is this. It says here clearly, Jesus said, the flesh profits profits nothing. My challenge or my question to each of us, including myself, is do you, do I, do we, really, really, really believe that? I think if we really believe that, we'd live our lives just a little bit different than we live them sometimes. Because I think we really believe that we have a lot to offer in a lot of situations. Think of the time that you're quick to give somebody a piece of your mind. 
or you're quick to offer up your insight on something or, or your, your valued information about something. And Jesus is saying, no, flesh profits nothing. As far as the spirit realm is concerned, I'm not saying that your counsel about, hey, you know, buy this oil and not that oil or whatever. I don't know. I mean, that's great. You know, your engine's going to blow up if you keep buying that oil or what. Okay, great. You've got some great counsel on something like that. that that's fine. But, but I'm talking about, Jesus is talking about in the realm of the spirit side of things, the flesh profits nothing. I mean, do you really, really believe that? Think of the efforts that we put into some things that are just absolutely fleshly efforts and then we say, oh, well, yeah, I'm giving that to God. That was really a God. Okay. You know, really? What part of that had anything to do with God? You know, where was the mo- what was the motivation? We talked about motivation, the significance of motivation. It needs to be birthed out of the, the heart of the Lord. It needs to be something that is spirit and, and based on God's love, agape love. Unmerited, you know, love and favor is God's grace. The agape love is that love that seeks nothing in return just seeks absolutely nothing in return. That kind of agape love. That, that's what God's going to honor, those kind of things that we do. So Jesus says, absolutely the flesh profits nothing. Let's go on to, uh, let me, I think it was Galatians. Is, no, Romans is next, chapter 8. Romans 8. I get to thinking about this stuff, and I think so much that we deal with, so many of the struggles that we face, all have to do with living in this body, this, this tent, this body here, living in this, and it, everything has to do with that. Our minds, how we're processing things, our fleshly, what, what is the difference between the fleshy motivation and a spiritual motivation? That's, hopefully, we're going to kind of hone in on that and get to it and, and kind of nail that down inside ourselves and be sure of that. In uh, verse 1, we'll go read through a few verses here uh, this evening in chapter 8 of Romans. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So, no, no one's being condemned. We're in Christ. Salvation is ours. We, we're, it's a free gift. Great. We're not condemned. And But listen to what it says. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So, am I walking in the flesh, or am I walking in the Spirit in that matter? It's It's there is no con- now therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin he condemns sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit Okay, let's read on, verse 5. For those, because I know that provokes a lot of thought and stuff, but we only have so much time this evening. For those who live according to the flesh, this starts giving us definition here. This is very important. It starts to give us an outline or a definition of what this might mean. Am I thinking flesh or am I thinking in the spirit? Am I acting in the flesh or am I acting in the spirit? Verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit on the things of the Spirit. For to be fleshly or carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind, the fleshy mind, is at war or enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God." 
when we are operating in the flesh, that doesn't please God at all. No matter how good the deed may seem in our mind, no matter how, you know, uh, good we may feel about what we're doing, thinking it's right and it's honorable and all this stuff, if it's motivated or has anything to do with the flesh, it's not going to please God. It just simply does not please God. And I think this is a, a huge struggle or a huge thing. And I, I like this in verse 5. Where those who live, live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Just thinking, okay, so one of those things might be self-fulfillment. Self-fulfillment. The world's beating this into our heads. Well, no, you need to take care of you. You need to do what makes you feel good. That's self-fulfillment. There's nothing wrong with enjoying your life. There's nothing wrong with any of those. That's not the point of this. But the point of it is, is to understand that sometimes that may not be the case, and it may be the most right thing that we could ever do, that it has nothing to do with how we end up feeling about it. It's not the, that's not really the case. Obedience doesn't always to be obedient isn't always feel that great to be doing the obedient thing that God shares with us to do. It just doesn't feel always that great. But if I'm always seeking to just be self-fulfilling, fulfill myself, then I'm going to end up just trying to please my flesh all the time. Now, flip this over. What about trying to please someone else all the time? It's the same block wall. You see, husbands and wives, you can never be God to your spouse. Best thing you can do is stop trying. You can never be God to them. You will always fail somewhere down the line. You will disappoint one another. That's, that's life. It's a bummer, but it happens. You disappoint one another. It goes on. But, fulfillment, if we are finding it in the person of Jesus Christ, in our marriage, then we are going to be fulfilled because we are finding our fulfillment in the Lord, and then we are complementary toward one another in Jesus Christ. We're not at odds in it. We're accepting that, hey, we're people. We make mistakes. But if I'm looking to that person to fulfill or for myself to fulfill, I'm going to end up wanting. I'm going to end up empty. Because I, I can't do it. I, it, won't, it won't happen. You can't do, be that for anybody ever. This is the greatest thing is that we are just simply to point people to Jesus Christ. Simply. Just point them to the Lord where they can find total fulfillment. You could never, you cannot be God to somebody else. Nor can they be God to you. It just, it doesn't work. It's trying to fulfill those things. Verse 9 says, But if you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit of life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. In other words, we can have this life, we can have this victory with Jesus living within us as we walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. We're gonna get a little bit more clear about what it means to walk in the spirit and walk in the flesh. Let's turn to Galatians chapter five. It's a little more specific. Galatians 
Galatians 5, with verse uh, 16. I say then, this is Paul speaking, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. Boom, just this constant struggle. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornications, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's, I would say, rather self-explanatory. Now, the thing that's interesting about this, though, when you think about this, we always pick out, well, gosh, I haven't killed anybody recently. I haven't murdered, you know. I haven't gotten wasted in quite some time or whatever our list of things that, you know, we think. But the reality is, is one, remember when Jesus went back through and broke this stuff down? He says, man, if this is happening in your heart, if you're, if you're living this out in your heart, you've already done this as far as God's concerned. You remember the Sermon on the Mount kind of breaks this down for us and tells us that. And so it's not just the act itself. It's the whole process that goes with it. Certainly the act is, is, is really part of the end the latter part of the process, right? But the process begins in our minds, right? Doesn't it? it, it the battle starts there in what we're going to succumb to. And I think it's just going through that. You see, okay, well, there's no doubt. Those are the works or the evidence of the flesh, the works of the flesh. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Pretty, uh, pretty straightforward. I think a lot of times the issue really falls into play is, am I willing to let these deeds of the flesh go? The Amalekites that we battle with, and are, we, are we willing to put them to death, let them go, be done with them, put them to death? Because the thing is, is all those things will ultimately come back on you, come back to you. The law of sowing and reaping is, is in effect, right? That which we sow, that's what we're going to reap. That's what we sow, that's what we're going to reap. Saul obviously spent a lot of time sowing the wrong stuff. We, we saw that. And he didn't deal with what he needed to deal with, and it ultimately was what killed him, was what Put him, I, I just love the way the Bible speaks so clearly in word pictures like that for us. I mean, it makes it so evident to us that, so to me, I think the lesson for us in all of this ultimately is that I would, that you would, that we would ultimately put those things to death, that we would deal with them, you know? I think verse 24, and those who are Christ in, in uh, uh, Galatians 5.24, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This idea of crucifying the flesh, gruesome, you know? This idea of really, absolutely, does it say anything other than utterly destroy? 
That's crucifixion would be utterly to destroy something, to see it for what it really is and to identify with it as what it is and give it its decent death. Just kill it. And I think the, the danger for us is, is the entertainment of the, and which is unfortunate that that's so much of what surrounds us, right, is the entertainment of the flesh. That's what surrounds us in the world. That's why we come in on a time and just kind of in the middle of our week, just kind of, kind of oh, golly, try and get refreshed and just get around other believers. Some people are around other believers more than others, but, man, it, I'm telling you, you we, we know how difficult it can be. I guess it goes back to what Jesus said when he said that the flesh profits nothing. And again, I guess the thought is, do you really believe that? So if we believe that, then our, our action point to do is to stop trying and just die. Die to self. The thing is, is you know, I, I know you, we talk about this from time to time, and I, I'm probably not telling you anything brand new on this, but it's not, it's not a popular message. It's better to talk about follow your passion or follow your heart or, you know, neither of which do I wholly believe unless your passion is God and your heart's 100% for God. And I can clearly give biblical definitions of why I, I believe that. That, that we should follow. Yeah, I think it's great to be passionate about things and stuff, and that's all fine, but man, we should only have one master passion in our lives, and that's the person of Jesus Christ, nothing else. The reason I'm kind of spending a little bit of time thinking on this is because I really believe we don't believe what Jesus said. Because if we really believed what Jesus said, man, all of Christianity would look very different than it looks. It would look different than it is. And I think it really starts with just one person, with two people, with a smaller group of people, with a bigger group of people. You know, it just starts with this idea of really embracing that, man, something's got to die. Think about this. What we just kind of concluded with was that, that that which the Spirit has given life to Jesus was raised from the dead, he says, you know, Paul said, Jesus was raised from that, that same, by the spirit of life, Jesus was raised from the dead, and that same spirit will raise your mortal bodies also. But if there's going to be a resurrection, if there is ever going to be a resurrection, what does that mean? Something has to die. In order for there to be a resurrection power, something has to die. And then when we read in there, we say, well, we have to crucify the flesh with its passion and desires. Then there can be a resurrection. Without that happening in you and in me, we're, we want the resurrection life, but we want the flesh life too. I want the resurrection life. I want the flesh life too. I want the and therein lies the battle. That's where we all live, between the tension between those two points. We want the resurrection life, but we don't want to let that go. We don't want to die to that. We want the resurrection life. Oh, you know, and we're just kind of, and I think, generally speaking, this is what most of Christianity looks like. We're just, we're not going any direction. We're just kind of in this, stuck in this spot, trying to hang on to both things. And Jesus was so clear about that, wasn't he? He said, I would that you were either hot or cold. Please be one or the other. Don't ride the fence. 
get on or get off. Follow me or don't follow me. But, you know, brothers and sisters, this is not a popular message in our time in which we live. It's a needed message, but it is not a popular message. The popular message is, hey, you're really a good person, and you're doing good things, and you're going to be okay. You just keep doing good, and, and that's good, and we talk about good, and we're all just good, and we feel good about being together because we're just good. And that's, 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 that's like fluffo. You remember fluffo? Fluffo is like, you know, it's like this marshmallowy stuff that you put on your peanut butter sandwich when you're a kid, and it's just, there's nothing good in it. It's just a bunch of stuff that seems like it's good, and it sounds kind of like it might be good, but there's nothing good in it for you, you know? The idea is, is people are buying in all around the world. People are buying in on that kind of a concept, but crucify the flesh. Put it to death. Man, we, we just we look at that, and we say, oh, whoo, that's kind of extreme. Yeah, yep, it was extreme. When Jesus died on the cross for your sin and my sin, that was extreme. But I, what I'm driving at, I'm trying to push some buttons tonight because I want you to really think, do you believe it? You really believe that he was crucified for your sin and for my sin? I believe that. I believe 2,000 years ago he was walking on the face of the earth and he was crucified publicly. One, I believe it by faith. Two, it's a historical fact. The only thing that everybody's freaked out about was did the resurrection actually take? No one's question of whether there was a person that was referred to as Jesus the Christ. There's, there's no real significant debate over that. It was a historical fact. And that he was crucified. Th those are historical facts. And that his body's missing from the face of the earth. They can't never find that either. Well, that's because he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, so it'd be kind of difficult for them to find it. But you get the idea. The thing is, is if we, by faith, really, really believe that to be true. Our lives every day are going to be significantly different than the world that surrounds us. I'm not talking about the clothes you choose to wear, the haircut you choose to get, or anything else. That's not what I'm talking about. But something inside of me, inside of you, is going to view this life differently. We're going to see things different. Because you see, what really matters? Did Saul really have any real impact. He really left nothing significant because he lived a, a fleshy life. I don't want that for you. This is Pastor Jim. I know as you've been listening to the Word today that God uh, may very well be speaking to many of you, and maybe some of you just need to come back to the Lord. Maybe some of you need to give your life to the Lord who've never given your lives to the Lord. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, Jesus said that calling out to those who are burdened with the things of life, and Jesus wants us to come alongside with him. He is gentle and lowly in heart. 
And that's where we're going to really find rest for our souls. It's a simple prayer of faith. And I just want to pray this simple prayer along with you. So if you just want to pray this, whether you're driving or whether you're sitting at home or wherever you are, you might be in your office, you might have this coming on through your earbuds, but the Lord wants to make himself known to you and for you to have a personal relationship with him. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a personal relationship. And it starts by just saying yes to Jesus and giving your life to him. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I want to give my life to you. I want to ask that you would forgive me of all my sin. I want to cast all my cares upon you, knowing that you care for me. And I know that, uh, Lord, I feel weighted down and burdened by the things of this life. And and I just want to have that newness of life. And so I ask that you'd come into my life and be my personal Lord and Savior. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior into my heart. And I ask that you would just Continue that work that you've begun in my life right now. And I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. And if you're social media savvy, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Calvary Chapel KC. Also, Living Fountains podcasts are available in the iTunes store now, and you can download them at no cost. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings. The service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com, or you can simply contact the church office at 913-681-1635. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountain.